0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. What do people binge eat on? What do they lose control of? What do they have such strong cravings that they struggle to adhere to dietary um, goals for themselves? It isn't foods like apples or carrots. So, you know, I know that's not surprising. Kale was not high on the list, but it was foods like. Cupcakes, ice cream. So that is really what we focused on here. And I think you know one of the reactions I get a lot when I um, say you know I do research on food and addiction is, well, how can you be addicted to food, right? Everybody has to eat. What's the abstinence approach? You know, starving. And I think it's important to note that even from the very beginning, we were saying not all foods are created equal. That there's these certain foods that actually are not beneficial for our long-term health and survival. Those are the same foods that seem to be particularly effective engaging reward systems in a problematic way. So I like to think about what we have been doing to our food environment, and especially the last 30 and 40 years. If you think of the food environment that we evolved in, food, especially high-calorie foods, were relatively scarce. And the foods at the top of that hedonic ladder that were really rewarding and reinforcing were foods like fruits and nuts that had higher levels of fats and sugars in them. And we are evolutionarily designed to want to seek out and find those foods, to be motivated to get them, to remember where they are. Because for so much of our existence, those foods were scarce. And we needed them to help us survive times of famine. But over time, we've gotten really good, especially in our industrialized society, at extracting things like fat and sugars and refined carbohydrates cheaply and effectively. And so now we have these ingredients that are really, really rewarding and more potent doses. And we then combine them into thousands of different food types that are high in both sugars, fats, salts, food additives. I mean, just to give you a feel for how different our food environment is now compared to the food environment that we evolved in, when I started doing this research, we noticed, wow, there really aren't naturally occurring foods that are high both in carbohydrates and high in fat. If you think about that, you have fruits that are higher in sugar, but they don't really have a lot of fat. You have foods that are higher in fat, like nuts and meats, but they don't really have a lot of carbohydrates. Just the fact that the majority of the foods that we consume today in our food environment have a combined combination of high levels of fats and high levels of carbohydrates is a food that is unique to the reward system of our brains and much more powerful than anything our brains really evolved to handle. So the question is, have these foods become so powerful and so potent that, at least for some individuals, they're capable of triggering an addictive response? And so when I was first at Yale and, and thinking about, what, what do I want to spend my career on? what I'm here now. You know, what kind of research do I want to do? Um, there was all this really beautiful emerging work that I felt like was coming together at the same time. So again, Mark was referencing the work from Bart Hobel's lab with Nicola Vina taking a lead role with these animal models, finding these really notable parallels between the administration of sugar and drugs of abuse. So as Mark mentioned, with sugar, you could see this binging behavior, this release of dopamine that wouldn't go down in the way we expect to see with typical eating behavior. You saw withdrawal being able to be precipitated by the administration of drugs that we usually use and drugs of abuse. We saw that. For foods that were high in fats and sugars, you could see a downgrading of the dopamine system that was linked to behaviors that we really thought of as indicative of drugs of abuse, of addiction to drugs of abuse. Um, One example coming out of Paul Paul Kinney's lab was that rats that were exposed to things like bacon and cheeseburger and M&M's became so kind of used to that level of hedonic food reward, that even though they would have their chow that they usually like, they usually ate just fine, they were usually motivated by, right next to them, they'd have their bowl of chow in their cage. That food, after being exposed to these highly rewarding foods, no longer did it for them anymore. And even though they could have those calories, they would go out into electrified mazes, getting shocked to try and find the M&Ms that were hidden in the maze. So what this suggests, perhaps, is that exposure to these foods that are so potently rewarding seems to potentially cause neuroadaptations in our reward and motivation systems in the brain, where more naturally occurring foods that we used to like and eat just fine just can't compete, at least in these animal models. At the same time, Nora Volkow's group was doing some beautiful neuroimaging work, really showing parallels in the neural systems that seem to go awry in the context of obesity and the context of addiction. For example, Mark talked a lot about those cues, driving down the highway, seeing the golden arches, that in both obesity and addiction, these cues can become really powerful and capable of acting, activating intense dopaminergic responses that are linked with craving and motivation. There also seems to be some diminishing capacity in the cognitive control systems of the brain, making people more reactive and more motivated to the cues in their environment, while simultaneously struggling to kind of